Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, welcome to the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands. Today I'm joined by... Uh, well, I'm going to let you say your name because I am positive, 1,000% sure that I will butcher it because no. I I mess up the most sh- easiest short names. I'm not even going to attempt yours. So let's let's hear your name. <laughs> My name is Peter Giannopoulos. And I, I would have said it right. I could have, yeah, I could have, I could have been a hero for once instead of, uh, but Seriously, I pronounce the easiest names completely wrong and butcher every introduction. Um, no, it's actually uh, it's a lot more intimidating when you see it than actually what it is. There's just so many letters. There's a lot of vowels there. <laughs> there's extra. There's double vowels. Yeah, you know, and when, double consonants. When, so. when I was in um, in high school, we had a friend who's. Uh, her name was Anne. I don't remember her last name, but I just remember it was like your last name where there were just a lot of letters. And so we just called her Anne Alphabet. <laughs> Alphabet Anne. So uh, welcome, uh, Peter Alphabet, to to the podcast. Uh, Glad to be here. Peter is the director of sales for Sly Fox up in Pottsville. Is that the right town? Pottstown. There is a Pottsville too, though, right? And yeah, that's there's another, where there's another brewery there called yeah, that's New a, England or something like. I don't know, someplace we don't. They they make crappy lagers, so we don't want to talk about them. Um, yeah, we're talking the, we're talking the brewery in Pennsylvania that makes the good lagers, Sly Fox. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Peter is the director of sales. He is also what generation? Second generation, right? Because it was your. Yeah. I'll let you tell the story because you're going to be way okay. more accurate than me. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah. Um, so my my dad and his brothers uh, founded Sly Fox Brewing Company in 1995. It was just a brew pub for a long time. Now it, I'm sort of third generation too because my grandfather is also an, an owner too. So. Okay. It was uh, originally my grandfather and his five children were the uh, investors uh, initially. So it's very much a family business. So, yeah, it's sort of second generation sort of, you know, because he wasn't a man. You know, my, my dad and my uncles were our managing partners. Okay. Um, and but my grandfather was not. So I'll, I'll call it second generation then. Let's he just that. he had the money. So, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll say second generation of the running or I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you're here and you're, you're going to tell us all about Sly Fox. Uh, I'm try. Who better than the second slash third generation? <laughs> second and a half. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just go with that. That's easier. Yeah. Um, so I, and I told you this when we, we, um, when we were talking before, for some reason in my head, which was completely wrong, uh, which <laughs> often i am i thought sly fox was part of one of the large breweries and i think i think it may just been because like you're you're very prevalent in uh at that time it was just pennsylvania you weren't in maryland yet i don't think Mm. um but you are proudly independent 
as this can says. Yeah. So I was wrong. Um, and then, uh, thankfully, I was provided some Haze Fix, a new beer on the market. Although I guess it's been several months now. Um, yeah, I guess it's been uh, February release. So three months or three or four months. Wow, I really have no concept of time anymore. I was thinking oh, it was like la- I was thinking it was like last year, but I guess yeah. it just felt like it was a decade ago. No, um, it was supposed to be actually, but then we had, uh, believe it or not, had a hard time getting cans. So you're like the only person I've ever heard that from. That's weird. You would think like a larger brew like you guys would be able to get some. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's cool about Haze Fix is that it is definitely one of the best shelf stable shelf stable hazies i've ever had it is a, it is a solid widely distributed hazy beer thank you um yeah it's doing great we're, we're really happy with it and we love uh we want to also differentiate a little bit by making it a lighter beer too um at five and a half percent so uh yeah it came out great i mean it was uh quite the the development process you know kind of spanning over a year or so of putting out these limited hazy ipas and t- tweaking techniques and ingredients and things and yeasts um to to develop that beer but we really are really happy with the final product it's it's doing well are there so of the the larger more widely distributed breweries i think that do it right um it's you guys and great lakes both in pretty close time frame came out with hazy ipas that are both really good um yeah has there like was that just coincidental or was there like some kind of sharing of knowledge about like uh hazy ipas that you could widely distribute without having to worry about them there seemed to be it was like there seemed to be of course we're coming out with this beer so it's like when you get a new car and then you you see that car all the time yeah like when we're developing the 12 ounce year-round hazy ipa of course all i start seeing is 12 ounce releases <laughs> from established breweries you know at the same time as us I'm like, are we gonna be too late to the party you know um you know i hope people still you know care and want to try this beer and fortunately it's been it's been great um but no, it was just coincidental. And actually, it was really funny because uh, with the Great Lakes specifically, our, we have the same wholesaler in Maryland. Uh, so they were coming out with like – actually, Hayes Craft was like right maybe a month before us yeah. like, or a month or – because I was asking them like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, how's it selling and stuff like that. So, And well, uh, from at least yeah. what I've been told. And yeah, I see – encouraging for me to hear. And I see Hayes Fix absolutely everywhere too. Um, so I'm assuming it is also doing well. Yeah, it's doing good. Actually, it's doing really good in Maryland, um, specifically and on draft, which is a good sign because, um, you know, draft, we kind of look at as a, it's sort of like a, a sampling opportunity, really. Like that's, that's when I try my beers is now that we are allowed to go back to bars and, yeah. uh, have, have a bunch of different beers, some good beer bars. Like that's how I, that's where I try my try other people's beers, see what's going on, get ideas. And I had, I don't think I had had the, um, Pikeland pills, 
before right now or if i did it was after like it was mixed in with a bunch of other beers so my palate was completely wrecked um yeah but last week i had told someone that i was having i was doing an episode about sly fox and their first response was they make the best pilsner i've ever had and it was like i can't remember what brewery the person was with but it was someone in the they, industry they uh, had a great yeah, <laughs> whoever it is, they have an amazing palate, and they were absolutely correct. But as yeah. I'm drinking it, like this is a really, really, good, and this is an older one. It's probably not that old, but oh no, it's plenty good. So yeah, it, but yeah. it's absolutely delicious. I was worried that maybe I had kept it around for too long and not drank it, but it's yeah. really, really good. Oh man, thank you. Uh, and what's funny, I I feel like it's so funny like these topics tend to come in waves. Like I've talked to people the last few days or the last few weeks, just about how like the longer you work at Sly Fox, the more your love for Pikeland pills grows. Like every single person who works at this brewery for multiple years, Pikeland pills is their favorite beer. Like there's not even a question. Um, and, they, and it's funny, like there's some of our, some brewers who, who work for us in the past, like they'll come here and they'll say their favorite style is a Imperial stout with, you know, bourbon barrel aged Imperial stout or like a big West coast IPA, not interested in lagers whatsoever. And then after two years, they're like, yeah, Pikeland's my favorite beer. <laughs> and <laughs> you know? it, is, it is a really easy drinking, full flavored, just delicious beer. Is, Thank you. is this one of the original beers? Cause that was, a, yes. I, did you say, I don't think you mentioned when Sly Fox was opened originally, did you? 95. Okay. Uh, we opened that. We were just a brew pub for seven years. So we really, like my dad kind of had the original vision of, of the brew pub. And, um, and that distribution wasn't really part of the original game plan at all. It was really kind of happened organically. Um, and we didn't start distributing really uh, until like 2003 or, and then we started, we didn't, we started canning in 2005 or 2006. Did you, um, you went and you went straight to cans. Correct. Yeah. We, we had done um, bombers and we had done uh, a bottle condition 750 milliliters for our like Belgian line that we had, okay. uh, but we never have done 12 ounce bottles. And is that does that play into because you you guys kind of have lean into like outdoor type activities? Was that the the impetus for that? Where it's much safer and easier to take cans of beer with you someplace than it is bottles. There was a lot of things we loved about cans, um, and actually we we uh, made this graphic. Uh, that had all the reasons why cans are better. They're lighter to ship. They're uh, better for recycle. They're more recyclable than bottles. They're better for, you know, the, the can seam, the, the lid seam on a can is better than a bottle cap. Um, it doesn't let in any light whatsoever. Um, the reasons you mentioned about outdoor, outdoor activities, they get cold faster. They don't break as easily. Um, so there was all these reasons uh, that we love the idea, but in, in 2005, we, we were the first canning craft brewery in the mid Atlantic. So people were like, what the hell are you guys doing? Putting your great beer in these shitty cans. You know? <laughs> and, and, so, and I wonder, I wonder if that played into my completely wrong perception too. 
is that like back then it was taboo to have good beer in a can. Like it, it was, I well, mean, it didn't it was, exist. Yeah. Good, it, beer, good beer couldn't be in a can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but we actually, our brewmaster and, and my uncle at the time uh, went out to Oscar blues, who was the first canning craft brewery in the U S and, uh, and saw how it worked and they just, they fell in love with the idea. And, um, and, uh, they were a huge inspiration. And, and so that they have that big um, outdoors aspect of their branding. And we also have a lot of people that work, you know, that work for us that love outdoor activities. So that kind of like naturally was a good fit for us. It's like it was for, for Dale over there. So um, that they were, they were a big part of that, but yeah, it took, it took a long, long, long time to educate people about cans uh, aren't bad for beer whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, our, uh, our current director of brewing operations, Tim Ost, he, he used to bartend at the bar and would crack a can behind the bar and then pour a draft and blind sample, you know, Hey, tell me which one's out of the shitty can, you know, <laughs> you know that one. Nope. They're both out of the cans. <laughs> they're both the draft or whatever, you know, so, it, it's uh, it's kind of funny how like that perception has almost completely upended too now where like good beer only comes in cans at this point yeah. and a lot of people won't even consider a beer in a bottle i know unless it's and, like uh, a a bomber and a special release of something yeah. but that took so much work like we we had a whole can we had we created a website called uh what was it can fantastical or something and then we had the cantacular award we would give out and we had we invented uh one of our biggest events is called can jam because we were it's a frisbee the frisbee tournament but also we would promote cans um so we did a lot to like push cans like cans are great for beer and it it felt like it was pushing a boulder up a hill but eventually everyone figured it out too so what used to be a nice differentiator for us, and, you know, first we were, you know, maligned, and then it became a differentiator, and then now we're just one of the yeah. canning brewers. Yeah. Like <laughs> so these kids don't know circle. how hard it was in the day back in the day. <laughs> we were, we were, yeah, uh, Crown Cork and Seal's first craft customer. So, how yeah. um how long have you been um involved in the day to day at Cyfox? Um. A little over seven years. Okay. And I started out actually in operations. Um, my background is in op- operations and um, production and stuff. And I had worked at Wegmans and their big distribution center in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Um, so I came work for the brewery. For, for three and a half years, I was helping out Tim, our uh, director of brewing operations, with all the stuff that happens here. And I also got involved in, in planning our big events um and doing basically doing whatever whatever it takes and then um at you know, i guess it was four years ago or so um they decided they, we had certain salespeople leaving and it was like you know what why don't peter why don't you go do sales now I'm like i don't know how to do that but i'll try <laughs> <laughs> and, it's easy uh, it's easy peter just go convince people to drink some beer <laughs> yeah the beer's great so why don't they all buy it you yeah know? <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, I've been at this on the sales side for, I've just tipped past my three and a half years in the brewery and now I'm a little bit more time than that in sales. So I've, I've been on both sides of it. Which side do you like better? Uh, 
I don't know. I like them both. I mean, my my roots and like my background are in are in the brewery, and actually, we're you know, there's this big labor shortage happening all over the place, and including in the, in our brewery. So I'm actually back in the brewery helping out the last few weeks, just hopping on the forklift and loading trucks and doing whatever we got to do, hopping on the can the packaging line, um, just trying to help out whatever we can. So it's been kind of nice actually to get back in the in the thick of it. Uh, it's been a, it's been a few years since I've been uh, running around this place. Um, I, I like I like sales too. I like I like exploring. I like you know seeing new places, meeting new people. Um, I get excited when I'm I'm in some faraway place and people are like, oh my god, I love Sly Fox and some obscure beer. I'm like, wow, that's crazy that you know that. <laughs> um, so that I get I get excited. I, you know I I like that. Um, I like people, I like seeing people enthusiastic about our beer and that's something that it's hard to, it's hard to see when you're working in the brewery, Yeah, that, that joy that, and those good times you're bringing people. The and actual really, feedback from the customers. Yeah. And the, it's like sense. when you're at a restaurant, you're telling the waiter or the waitress, oh my God, the food was amazing. And it's like, I hope like the chef somehow is like magically hearing that, you know? Yeah. But he's just getting up next door. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's take um, a real quick sponsor break, and uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more of like the history of where Sly Fox started and then into the present day. So we will cool. be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts. Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. All right, so back in 1995, um, the craft beer industry was just a tad bit different back then, and people's perception of craft beer, or just beer in general, was just a tad different. So when they opened that first brew pub, what what were the kind of offerings, and how did they approach it back then? Well, I was a wee little lad then, but I can tell you just from hearing stories, um, first off, craft beer the term didn't exist yet it was micro brew or micro you know we were the we were the sly fox uh brew house and eatery with a big microbrewery like you know right on the top of the sign you know um i think back then it was about like it was about teaching people that beer could be more than yellow fizzy crap you know, yeah that's where it had gotten to in the 80s for the most part it was just you know there wasn't much option, many, many options. And um, 
I don't know what my my parents or uh, and my uncles had you know tried you know Sierra Nevada Pale Ale um, or you know a better beer for the first time. It really like opened their minds that beer could be so much more. And so then you got to do that to your customers too. And they come in like, wait, so you you make beer here? Like, how do you make beer? You know, it was so such a new concept that um, it was a lot of of educating. And <clears throat> in the beginning, I think we like we made some, you know, amber ales were big in the nineties, you know? So you're, I think even our IPA, which was our flagship beer at the time was called Amber IPA, you know, cause you're trying to get people to like, it's an amber, so you'll like it, but like <laughs> it's amber, you know, yeah. and like, what's that, you know? So it's, uh, it was a learning process. I think they had, um, I mean, I think we had some, some light loggers, uh, we had some porters that were flavored thing, you know, vanilla porter. I think we had, or the original lineup was, well, I mean, my uncle John was the original brewer, I think. And then, uh, they hired a few different people over the years that were, you know, bringing in different recipes. And, uh, we hired Bill Moore who was at stouts and that's when our beard, uh, kind of jumped to the next level. Um, he was at stouts and then he became the brewer for uh, Lancaster brewing company. He's still a great friend of ours. Now he sells beer for Lancaster Brewing Company. He's like me, went from brewing operations to sales. Um, uh, he lives in Pottstown, actually, so we see him all the time. But um, he brewed for us. And, and then uh, later on, uh, Brian O'Reilly came, uh, and he was our brewmaster that uh, starting like 02 through 2017 or 2018 or so. So he he's uh, he had a major influence on the breweries, and that, and that that's really when our lineup changed to what it closer to what it looks like now. Um, a lot of his recipes and his uh, ideas we started digging into more. But even with Bill, we had we had started getting into more traditional German stuff um, too. So we've always kind of harkened back to like English ales and. Um, and German beers. And then, you know, obviously some newer American stuff. It's always been kind of there, but it just kind of evolved over time. And, uh, you, you guys had opened multiple brew pubs before opening the production brewery, correct? Or was it just one pub, the production brewery, and then more locations? It was the one pub in Phoenixville, and then we opened a second location, which beca- which was our first production brewery in the back. Too. Okay. And that was in Royersford, PA, um, which is kind of in between Pottstown and, and Phoenixville. So uh, it's only about 15 minutes from here. And uh, what happened was with that place, like the restaurant was really cool. It was a nice big space, but we made the brewery too small. <laughs> so... <laughs> so um, and that's when we first started canning. Uh, we got our first Kang line in Roars Ford. Um, and then, uh, so after I would say maybe six or seven years or so, we had to move out of there. Um, that's when we moved into the current location we're at now in Pottstown. Did uh, we closed that restaurant and then opened a restaurant here? Okay. So this is our second, second location. <laughs> And then, um, then we didn't add another location until 2019. Okay. And then went on a spree. And then we went on a spree. 
right before a pandemic. I was just going to say, at the best great time possible. <laughs> great time to open a bunch of new restaurants. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, what uh, what size brew house was in that original brew pub? Do you know? 15 barrel. Okay. So it's a pretty big, big system. Yeah. It was, it was pretty, it was like kind of this, uh, I think my, my dad or one of them was like, you know, the, it's not that much more money to put this thing up from a seven or a 10 barrel to 15. So why not just have more beer? You know, why not make it a little bit easier on ourselves? And so, yeah, we actually still have that original brewer, brewery in Phoenixville. Oh, we cool. still make all batch stuff there too. So uh, uh, most of the production is done here in Pottstown. And what size <laughs> brew house do you have there? It's a 50 hectoliter, so like a 45, 43 barrel. I'm glad you went straight to just telling me what the real number was. Yeah. I <laughs> I'm, so I'm guessing it is a German built. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah system right from Bavaria. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing uh, system. And it has a closed loop. Um, it, the, the heat energy is recaptured. The, uh, the steam is recaptured and then utilized to uh, heat up the hot liquor, the hot water tank. Oh, wow. So even brewing three times a day, it doesn't get like it's a contained system. It really doesn't get hot from the brewery in, in from the brew house in the brewery space, which is where everything is. It's not like the, the, the can line and the, and the cellar and the, um, the can line, everything's all in one big room basically. So uh, the fact that, you know, we can brew three times a day, three batches a day, and, and it doesn't really get any more hot in here. It's because that it, it's recapturing that energy. It's super efficient. So are you using like 120 barrel fermenters then? or? Yeah, we have a bunch of 40 barrels. So for a single batch, and then we can do, we have, uh, I think, eight, eight or nine uh, 120 barrel tanks. And then we put four 160 barrel tanks outside. So we actually can do four in a row. Oh, like nice. three and then they keep going and put that them outside they're all insulated <clears throat> so our bigger lager batches and our bigger seasonals like oktoberfest you can just throw them in those outside tanks and you know it's a lot easier than messing with these smaller ones what uh, yeah, i love you just throw around smaller ones and then like uh, you know just a couple of weeks ago i'm talking to someone has a seven barrel <laughs> brew house and <laughs> they're big big uh big tanks are the 15 barrel ones <laughs> it's all relative yeah I know. it just it's it's funny it how just like the wide scale but then like still you guys compared to other ones is tiny like it like the the breadth yeah. the breadth of um scale between different craft breweries is just crazy absolutely you can have a nano brewery doing one barrel and then you can have us we're kind of in the middle uh and then you can have you know victory or dogfish or new belgium and they're like they're like taj mahals of of you know like just it's outrageous do um the three new places uh wyomissing malvern Mm -hmm. and pittsburgh do they they Mm -hmm. all have uh brew houses there too correct or are they no those are just uh, oh, just all tasting okay yeah but there we are building a second location in pittsburgh uh right now that will open later this year and that will have a seven barrel brew house okay we are going to do some brewing out there 
um, have some limited stuff that's available to uh, those those two Pittsburgh locations in the Western PA market, which is which has become a really good market for us. Um, that's where a lot of our recent growth has been is Western PA Pittsburgh area. It's been awesome. I uh, I used to well, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh and oh, I yeah, was. I worked for um, a company that was doing a bunch of work on the um, in California, and like our my coworkers were out there uh, drinking, and someone came up to him and asked them if they were from Pittsburgh, and they were like, "Why? Like, do you think our accent's funny or so, like something along those lines?" He's like, "No, no one drinks like you people." And, <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, doing well in the Pittsburgh area that checks out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they like lagers and they like, yeah. they like beer out there. I mean, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good fit for us. It's yeah. It's a, it's a very, the, the beer scene there is, is very interesting that the, you can do really well with that. And then you can do really well with all the new styles too. So with mm-hmm. your mix and portfolio that, uh, I, I imagine you guys would do quite well there yeah yeah it's cool that we can have like it really i learned it really makes a difference to have a a physical spot you know have have a place where people can go and try a bunch of beers on draft and um it really helps like build your brand awareness which i've learned is is a huge part of selling beer and distribution it's just people knowing your beer it helps more than i even thought the the tap house that is Wait, that's downtown. Downtown, yeah. <laughs> this it's coming out in me. It's um, right on the right on the point. I mean, it's yeah. right. It's as close to the point, Point State Park, as you can get. And um, and then the the brew the brew pub that's going to be like uh at the very beginning of the south side, right? Yeah, the south side. Between, south side, in between uh, Station Square and uh, the and the proper like Southside Flats on Carson okay. Street, off of Carson Street, but it's just in, in kind of in that industrial no man's land. But this place is right on the the Mon River, um, and the trail, the Three Rivers Trail, like hops up right to it. Um, so it gets a lot of people bike riding bikes and stuff like that right by it. It's gonna be a sweet location, and they built actually a small High Line there, like the one that's in up in Chelsea, New York City, or. Um, where they're using an old rail line and making it into a park and uh, oh, cool. uh, an elevator rail line. Yeah. Um, so that's part of the, the building it's in an old train terminal building. Um, so there's a rail line that's elevated and they're making, they made that into a park and our place and our beer gardens like right below that. So, well that, uh, that's going to have a full restaurant and mm-hmm. uh, everything there, right? Yep. When is that slated to open? We're hoping for like late July or August. When's it really going to open? <laughs> uh, no idea. I mean, you know, permits and yeah. whatever unseen, unforeseen construction delays. I mean, we were this thing was supposed to be open last year, but you know what happened last year. So yeah, well, and that's why I kind of I thought it had already opened because it was like I remember the last time I talked to you, like it was pretty close um but yeah Yeah. (laughs) but but i know like from talking to like other breweries and planning that um the the amount of time that uh permits are just sitting waiting to be approved at this point is 
is uh, they're hanging out for a very long time before they decide to go on with their next destination. Yeah, no. It's, uh, yeah, that, and, I don't know. In, in my experience in this business, whenever there's a, a date, uh, just add a lot. <laughs> add months to the end of that date and you might be close so maybe when uh when i we make our trip up in usually october or novemberish time frame <laughs> we might be able to hit the grand opening <laughs> but it, it better be open by then I mean, <laughs> yeah because so you really like I, I would assume you you guys definitely want to don't want to miss like Oktoberfest. like that would be you gotta give yeah. hofbra house a run for their money yeah yeah and oh man yeah, that, I didn't even think about that actually. Just crossed my that, that's that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> what get, like having Oktoberfest there or going to Hofbra House for Oktoberfest? Well, just like being down and like having an Oktoberfest event in that beer garden that we have with that new spot would be really sweet. Yeah, because to me, yeah. um, I've never been to Hofbra House for Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, but I feel like it would be a miserable experience. Because <laughs> the one in Pittsburgh or the one in Munich? Just in any way. Well, I mean, if you're going to do it, you may as well at least experience it in Munich. But I assume yeah. like the one in Pittsburgh is probably just jam-packed with every person who thinks it's a great idea to go to, to Hofbra House yeah. for Oktoberfest. Yeah. yeah, so we might get some overflow. That'll work nicely. Well, that's a... That I, makes it really cool, though. They did a nice job with that Hofbra House. Actually, when I, it was... I had just returned from Austria when I went to Hofbrauhaus House in Pittsburgh the first time. And so I was at like both Hofbrauhauses houses within like three weeks of each other. And they, I, I was very impressed. I thought they did a great job like replicating it. Yeah. I've never been to any other one, but the one in, in um, it's in Homestead. No, it's not in Homestead. It's in Southside, right? Or where, where the mm-hmm. heck is it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed it. It was really good. Yeah. You could big huge mugs of beer that's like eight percent alcohol and then yep. realize you just drank the equivalent like, of like five beers. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just one. Yeah. Just one very large one. And the pretzels were really good. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of soft pretzels. Oh yeah. What so we, what is the, what's the too. what's the name of that building that you're going into? Doesn't building, it have a name? Is called the, the terminal building. Okay. Uh, but the development, the development is called the High Line. Okay. Because of the High Line project I was talking about. So, it's if you search Pittsburgh High Line Sly Fox or Pittsburgh High Line, you'll see it. It's uh, it's really cool. They, they're doing a cool job with it. Yeah. I, so like the middle of it, the building is a parking lot, uh, parking garage. There's gonna be parking available. And then um, there's like retail space along the whole entire perimeter of the outside, and the upstairs, the upper middle part is like offices. You're um, you're saying all the things that I love: um, beer, easy parking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we try. I know. I just have I have this really weird like OCD or paranoia when I'm going someplace for the first time, and I don't know what the parking situation will be, and it 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 builds up an unnatural amount of anxiety in me. Yeah. But it's just, one I don't of know. Maybe I'm just conditioned because I'm used to dealing with Philly. Um, I, I mean, in Frederick, we have parking everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Parking is a sport in Philadelphia. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and I like playing the sport. I, 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 did it. <laughs> right. 
I, I think I've been in the the easy parking realm of Frederick for too long where it's just the oh this rendering from the um Pittsburgh Biz Journals that I only get to see yeah. shortly because I don't have a oh no it's loading um that looks beautiful it is yeah and it's most of it's most of that's done the outside's all done okay and the elevator and that that raised the steps and the raised park is all finished um it's just the inside of the building that's still being worked on but the whole beer garden area is all done now so how many people will you be able to have there? It looks like quite quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, well, especially the outside. The inside is going to have decent sized space, but then there's like that little over. There's an overhang area, like a deck that's going to have tables. I, you know, what? I'm not even really sure. So, uh, I mean, the outside part is the is big. Okay, and that's actually like a common area, um, but you'll be able to have beers there. Okay, what yeah. what else is located there? Um, another brewery, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like on the other side of the building, like completely like they're facing Carson street. I think uh-huh. we're facing the river. Um, yeah. Burgers brewing. Are they open or the, uh, they're open now. Yeah. They have another location. This is going to be a second location for them. Okay. I guess. So, I mean, you know, it could turn into like even more of a destination for beer. I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like that'll be helpful at that location. Yeah. Like they, to, to draw whatever people. yeah whatever um you can throw in there because like i said it is sort of a, a, a no man's land but um oh god but- that is so that is so yinzer <laughs> what burgers uh, yeah <laughs> b-u really, b-u-r-g-h really apostrophe e-r-s yeah <laughs> the only thing more pittsburgh would have been burgers than that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure is the name of a food truck somewhere. If it's not, um, it will be happening soon or it's already in planning. I've seen so many food trucks out there that are called what pierogies in that or burgers in that. Yeah. Or, it's just, just, yeah. It's just part of the vernacular. Yeah, it's great. Well, maybe that's so you could just have an entree called that, like the yeah. whatever you have for a meal, like burgers and stuff, and just call that burgers and that. Yeah, yeah. We should have a pizza called pizza and that and just like literally every single topping. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the um so we're so far off topic now, but I'll say one one more completely off topic thing, then we'll take another quick sponsor break and then learn a little bit more about Sly Fox. Um but what I've always found one of the amazing things about Primani Brothers is that that is a restaurant where you order a sandwich that has a basically a whole serving of french fries and coleslaw thrown on the sandwich and then they prompt you and ask you if you would like also like a slice of pizza <laughs> some things in pittsburgh work really well but doesn't mean they're not backwards you yeah know? <laughs> like- would you would you like a slice of pizza with that fifteen hundred calorie sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a it's a perfect pairing. And we yeah. also are running a special on a twenty ounce beer. Right. <laughs> yeah. They go through some beer at that place. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I was saying, let's take uh, another quick sponsor break, and when we get back, we'll. I guess we'll, we'll talk about like the philosophy of uh, the beer you make at uh, Sly Fox. Right. I'll put my philosophizer hat on. Yeah. So we'll be right back. 
There are many reasons why I have chosen District East for where I purchase beer. I love the flexibility of being able to make a custom six-pack or take home a crowler from one of the eight beers on tap. Their friendly and knowledgeable staff do an amazing job at keeping a diverse selection on hand. You can even purchase artwork from the monthly featured artist. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. Actually, first though, where all um, do you distribute to? How many, like what's your distribution footprint? Uh, mostly, I mean, I'll say the states where we're really actively distributed in is uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, uh, Delaware, and New Jersey. Okay. So you're definitely heavy into uh, classical styles, um, mm-hmm. but it seems that you're also pushing more into doing uh, more, uh, the newer styles, maybe just on the, um, smaller scale. So are using smaller systems like, so, um, one of those days, uh, the, a hazy IPA you did a couple months ago, um, is, was that made on a smaller system or was that done on your full, full big boy system? It was done on the big German boy system. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so that that that's what I was mentioning earlier with when we were developing Haze Fix. Like we we were using, we've been using those limited releases, those one offs, to really figure out how we can brew a hazy IPA on our system and have it have you know stable haze, have the hop aroma be um, in your face, and have um, you know produce a product that's going to be. Uh, it's going to have stability and it's not going to taste like crap after two weeks, you know? Um, so it was a, it was a learning curve because we had never really, you know, this, this thing is built to brew Pikeland pills and Hellas going lager, you know? Uh, it's a super efficient system. And they, and the, I, the a new England IPA or a hazy IPA is sort of an inefficient beer. Yeah. You know? It's, the, the yeast doesn't really go that hard, you, you know, leaves a lot of residual sugar in there. It kind of hangs out. It doesn't drop out of, <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't drop a flocculate. So like it's, it, you know, it was a learning process of, of what we had to do and had, changing the malt bill and the water chemistry and things like that. 
Um, so yeah, that, that's that's brewed on the same system that makes Pikeland Pills. And I, I give all the credit in the world to our our, our brewers and our lab guy uh, and Tim uh, to, to to figure that out. It was quite the task that I gave them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, probably wanted to kill me for it. But I'm like, you know, at some point, you know, we we absolutely love the fact that we make classic styles. We love the fact that we make German lagers and make them as as good as anyone we we think. Um, but we we knew, I knew, and we knew we had to get you know, start trying some new things. And, um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm proud and I'm amazed at how well our hazy beers are coming out right now. Like it's a far cry from the IPAs we were putting out, you know, six years ago. Do you, do you you know know what, um, what the design uh, differences of that system are that make it uh, so efficient for, your pills and lagers and stuff and more difficult to brew IPAs, especially hazies and stuff, or is that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a true, true expert. I'm sure Tyler, our lab guy would have an excellent answer for that, but I will tell you that, um, our hop utilization on this system is insane. Um, so we also do some contract brewing too. Uh, we, we make the brewer's art, um, beer you know resurrection and okay birdhouse and things like that um and we've worked with other contract brewers over the years and um usually what we find is we have to make an adjustment for hop utilization like this system gets much more out of your pounds of hops than a lot of other systems do so when we get a recipe it's not just literally multiply by four to get the you know to get what the recipe should be on our system, we have to make adjustments based on our experience with, with how, you know, what system did you brew this on? Or what, what these were you using? And, you know, um, so that's one example. And, and if you're, by the way, if your, your hop utilization is really high, then that's also leading to more bitterness too. So that was a challenge we had to figure out, how, you know, hazy IPAs are not a bitter beer. They're the opposite, but you're using a ton of hops. So how do you get that? Um, without making a bitter beer. So that was, you know, that was more techniques and, you know, started making recipes that didn't look anything like a recipe of a 113 IPA, which is our, you know, original flagship IPA. So it was just like this, you know, process um, for a a bunch of different reasons that we had to figure out. Yeah, because I, like, I, and I don't know why I didn't ask at these places because it was usually with, like, the director of operations or someone high up in production telling these things that like I've been to really large breweries that have said like it would almost be impossible to do those types of beers at that brewery because everything was designed and set up to just churn through like a narrow Mm -hmm. set of, uh, of types of beers Mm-hmm. And that going outside of that spectrum was very difficult, but I yeah. didn't bother asking like why. Well, I can think of one thing on our system that's kind of like that. So our system is is highly automated, um, and I think that there's room for in, in the system itself. I think there's room for uh, like eight recipes in the <laughs> in on, on the computer system. <laughs> 
all the time, you know, uh, or, you know, a certain brew will fit into a certain recipes processes. Yeah. Uh, but you can tell it's a German system because there's only eight, you know, or 10 or whatever. It's a very small number of recipes. I'm like, uh, this is definitely not meant for a, uh, you know, nimble craft brewery. Um, but. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Trogues probably has like very similar things. We have so, the same system as okay. them. Okay. Yeah. yeah so. I'm actually the same one as the Hopper House too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because when um, when talking to them at Trogues, they said they were kind of limited on some of the stuff that they could do because of how just how automated it was, and I guess that adds into the efficiency too. Like where mm-hmm. there are, there's only four cylinders for hop additions, mm-hmm. and then like that's just that's how the brew house works. Yep. And yeah, you can reload them. You know, yeah. the hop dose. If you take out hops at ten minutes in, you can reload that doser and then use it again later in the boil. But, okay. Um, but yeah, the but involves somebody having to be there and do that, and you know, there there is. But yeah, there's there's workarounds. But yeah, the the Germans weren't you know doing a lot of things that we do here in the states. <laughs> yeah, because like the way it's set up, like, does anyone even need to be there to brew Pikeland Pills? Like if it's already loaded, like if everything's loaded, could you just hit run and it, it so will just make it? <laughs> we do. Uh, so we have two shifts on the on the brew house. One guy comes in at five, and the second guy comes in at one. And um, the, really, the the second shift guy, the end of his shift is setting up the first brew of the next day. So loading in your specialty malts, uh, loading in your hop dosers if there's any sugar or anything else needs to be added in doing that work um when the brewer comes in at five that brew has already been going for that process has already been going for maybe five hours so it can start up on midnight or 1 a.m and then he when he comes in he's kind of knocking out to the fermenters and setting up the next the second brew so it's it's like half and half but yeah, yeah a lot of it is automated for sure uh, which you know eliminating some human error uh doesn't hurt yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, um makes everything very reproducible and yep. once you have everything locked in uh, so how how do you deal with year-to-year fluctuations in hop changes do you um like do test batches to figure out tweaks you would have to do or is, sometimes is it... we, we sometimes will like what uh let's say a new product comes out from one of our vendors and we want to try it but we want to try it on a beer that if you're tweaking something or trying something you want to do it on a you want to eliminate as many variables as possible so you really want to do it with one of your beers that you make yeah. so sometimes you might make a batch and try a different hop or try a different hop blend or, or some new malt or some new acid or whatever, uh, or water chemistry. And then, and then, you know, we'll, uh, go through the process. We'll get, get nearly to finished product, uh, and then blend it with a batch that's of normal. Okay. You know, regular, so that the notice, the changes are so minute you wouldn't even notice. Okay. Um, but that's one way that we experiment. We, we would rather do it because it's hard to like brew a test batch of, okay, if you're brewing 
something, you make a new beer, well, then you're going to have to market that beer now. And maybe you don't have a tap available for it. So what are those kegs are just sitting there because you want to try out some new hop. You know what I mean? So we will, we have that mindset where we want to try something as part of, you know, our, one of our beers we make. Now, that being said, we also do like a line of varietal IPAs and we'll do, you know, f- mostly draft for our pubs and then we'll, you know, make notes about those hop profiles and those hops and, and the aromas and stuff. And then we think about if we want to come out with a new beer, oh, we like that hop. We like that hop throwing in a beer like one of those days or we have a uh we made 600 pounds of sin in april which is a, a dang ipa and for fox sake is coming out later this month so um yeah we've been able to peel some of those hops that we like doing or or just hops that we, we've heard about and throw them in it's been a, a fun way to experiment with different things did um did 600 pounds of sand and do those do those go into your full distribution footprint or are those yeah stay closer okay yep yeah so i don't want to I, I unfortunately don't spend a lot of time perusing shelves to see what's available where yeah yeah so um it's funny we a lot of breweries have a small pilot system that can screw around with and we kind of don't so we uh, screw around with a 40-barrel brew house. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when you do that, then you have to sell it. So, uh, you know, obviously we take a lot of the learnings we've, we've had from over the years and we, you know, we know what we're doing. Um, and we're pretty, you know, I can't think of a time we had to dump a batch of beer. Um, like we usually know what, what's going to come out to some extent. The, the hot profiles can change a little bit. You know, they're not always what, exactly what the description is going to be from a website or from the from the supplier, but um, yeah, usually get pretty close. That is interesting, though, that you do a lot of your R and T in such large batches. Yeah, I mean, even a batch like we'll uh, we'll make a beer, you know, uh, with just a single hop, just a, with a, basically the same malt profile, just a, just. A, eliminate variables there as well put on tap at our pubs and even that's a 40 barrel batch sometimes I mean, we do have a 20 barrel we have a couple 20 barrel fermenters so sometimes we'll use those we want to make something so we'll do a half batch in our our brewery so we can do that but even a 20 barrel batch is still going to yield you know 30 to 40 kegs so <laughs> then you got to move them what what's the smallest amount that you'll package in uh cans mm really 40 barrels and in a, in a run uh you don't well no i shouldn't say that 40 barrels coming out of the bright tank could be split between um cans and kegs so i guess 20 to 30 barrels in okay. cans just running through the different year-round seasonals and uh so things like now where i'm finishing i guess not much left but alex's lemon wheat ales are are proper summer seasonal it's a a beer we do for alex's lemonade stand foundation for childhood cancer so we raise money um dollar per uh, case sold goes to them those guys um so the next occasional beer coming out is zero fox given yeah and that's a Wait, no, no, no. sorry for fox sake oh <laughs> I got it. oh yeah for okay. fox sake I, I got the... the bright red orange can 
Um, and that's a hazy IPA. It's uh, at 6.9% alcohol. That was a coincidence. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But <laughs> um, yeah, so that's coming out. We, we released 600 Pounds of Sin in April, uh, which is a Grateful Dead sort of themed uh, or paid homage to the Grateful Dead. Um, uh, that was like a, a sort of dank IP. I, I thought it tasted a lot like melon. Really good beer, like six and a half percent. So that that could be on shelves still, um, or ask for it. I think I don't know if it's still available um, from our wholesaler. I don't know, but um, for Fox Six coming out like in a few weeks, and that'll be down here also. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a cool can, the Angry Fox. Yeah, yeah, we, we we like having fun with the fox a lot, and a lot of these uh, it's sort of become a theme. Like a lot of the limited releases, it kind of happened by accident. Like some some form of a fox shows up on the can, but it's not like the the primary logo fox. It's some other rendering of it. So usually on those limiteds, we'll have a fox in some capacity on there. So do these beers make returns, or are they one and dones? Like uh, one of those um, days, uh, six hundred pounds for Fox sake. Like, will th- those ever return again, or is it based purely on if they sold really well? Then, of course, yes, we like money. We'll make it again. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like we we listen to people, and and if we get emails or we get social media feedback or feedback at our pubs, um, hey, when's this beer coming around again? If we get, if we hear enough of that, I mean, we do listen. You know, so we there's are some beers that have made repeats. We made a beer called Baby Sparkles, double dry hyped IPA, uh, <laughs> a couple times. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically it's it's kind of up to uh, the market. You know, we we don't really int- have a plan to re-release something unless we sort of hear about it or we just kind of want to do it again because we really liked it. Um, so that's I don't know. We we try to be. Uh, nimble and kind of flexible like that maybe to a fault to some extent (laughs) (laughs) how um how often do beers make it into the uh year-round rotation well haze fix was our most recent edition and that uh well that was the first year-round edition since volpulin ipa and that was like two and a half years ago, like years prior, I think, maybe three. So not it's often. not that often, you know? Yeah, I mean, so uh, talk about Pikeland Pills again. Pikeland Pills was one of the first beers we ever put in a can in 2005. And that's been, you know, a staple ever since. So um, even though Hellas Gold Lager is our top seller, that's an that's interesting thing about us. Our top two selling beers are lagers, uh, which is – not many breweries can say that. Not many craft breweries. That's a cool can too. The Hellas Golden Which, Lager with the uh, Castle Tower. Yeah, I mean, so that in the in the home market, that's our by far biggest seller. I mean, by volume, it's knocks it out of the water. So beers like Pikeland that were around. Um, well, well over a decade is, is it the same as it was way back then or 
do you do you do iterations to kind of like freshen it up over time or do you just stick to we definitely we definitely mess around with it uh, we, we tweak everything all the time if we think there's an opportunity to make the beer better we're going to do it um so no i mean we've used different even different hop varieties we've used you know different types of the same hop but just a different uh type of processing or um we, we over the past three years we've really messed around more with water chemistry than we used to so that's you know trying to change your your mineral content per style um is something that we really we do now that we didn't do as much before um so in the case of a beer like Pike and Pills, you want like a soft water. In the case of a a hoppy or bitter beer, you want a little bit of a harder water in general. Um, so things like that, trying to match like where, trying to match the the water profile of where the beer came from is the idea, so that it'll come out the best. Um, but we also have the concept of true to brand. Is this beer true to brand? So. You know, every time a beer is filtered, we try it and make sure it doesn't taste not like Pinecone Pills or not like Pace yeah. Fix IP. Um, so even, you know, even though you're making tweaks, a tiny, I mean, I'm talking minutia here. Um, but if the brewers think that it's going to make the beer better, then we go for it. Um, where does Redding Premium sit? So Redding Premium was a an awesome old brand dating back to 1886 and Reading PA is about 30 minutes from here. And why I'm missing our new pub and why I'm missing is in West Reading uh, or near West Reading. So, uh, and we've, I mean, Berks County PA is a huge market for us. Actually. Um, we sell a lot of beer there. And um, so we've, all, we've had this connection to the area for a long time and, and go, being up here and seeing the going to bars and seeing the old, you know, classic Reading Premium POS hanging in bars. Uh, it was something that, that just kind of came our way. And we were, you know, hey, do you guys want to brew Reading Premium and sell it? We're like, what? Is that even possible? And um, so, yeah, we figured out a way to basically worked out an agreement with the, the, the people who own the brand. Okay. Um, so we sort of, we brew, we're like managing the brand. We brew it, we sell it. Um, it is its own brand, um, okay. not because we're not proud of it or something, but just because we love uh, the old branding and what, I think it's a stronger brand by itself. You know, the, it says brewed and canned by Sly Fox Brewing Company on yeah. the can, but um, but it's it's its own thing. It's its own beer. Uh, we you know uh, pretty much like we utilized something pretty close to the original recipe. Um, we threw in some uh, corn uh, to make it a true like American lager style, and um, it's great. It's uh, for and we sell it for a really good price. You can usually find it for seven ninety nine a six pack of pounders, um, and it's solid. That's hard to beat. <laughs> yeah, I um I think I like Pikeland not a ton better, but definitely more. Uh, but the Redding is ridiculously good, also. Yeah, I mean, and they're, and they're different beers, yeah. but it's so funny because they're just so clean. Both love. of them are so just like, easy. I mean, I'm down almost two of them already. 
they're dangerous ones. Like three of our biggest sellers are three light loggers, you know, Hellas, Pills, and Reading Premium. And uh, they're all really different. But if you look at them next to each other, like, really, you know, it's yellow fizzy beer, you know, but there's a lot to it. Um, But tasty yellow fizzy beer. Oh, yeah, I know. But they're, you know, golden light beers. And uh, I don't know. It's cool that, um, you know, we consider lagers to be the hardest beers to make, uh, especially light ones. And um, the fact that we're able to put out some really tasty ones that people respect and love. Uh, including ourselves, um, you know, we're proud of that. What uh, what does Sly Fox having come have coming up that you're most excited about? Well, the Pittsburgh thing is definitely big. Um, that location is going to be really cool. I can't wait to see it when it's done. I've seen it like in the midst of construction and things, and it's it's just a really cool space. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to go there when it opens. That'll be a easy yeah, sell yeah. to my wife where I was like, Hey, let let's go know. to Pittsburgh and visit family. And Oh, by the way, I'm going to go to a brewery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no way. <laughs> um, yeah. Getting back to events. I mean, um, well, getting back to just fun yeah, at bars. Yeah. I mean, especially as a sales guy being going out and, try, and we really haven't been able to do samplings or doing happy hours or doing those things that like, make us happy when we can talk to people, talk about our beer and stuff like that. And also it helps us sell beer too. Um, it's just been hard to be so disconnected from the end consumer uh, as, as you know, really marketing arms of the, or marketing agents of the brewery, if you will, like to be so disconnected from, from the staff of a restaurant or, or, um, or from consumers been really rough. So just feeling, having that feeling that things are opening up and we can, do samplings again and do, you know, an event at a bar is really exciting for, for my sales team and me. Um, and, and, um, events too. So we're, we're also, I mean, part of our branding is doing big events and we have some really interesting ones. Um, our biggest, you know, we have uh, can jam coming up. I mentioned that before that's coming up in September. We're doing that. We think, you know, knock on wood, if everything goes right, we're doing that full capacity. Uh, it's an outside music festival. We have a can jam tournament in the morning. It's the largest can jam tournament in the world. And the team, the winning team wins their weight in beer. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, have, we have a big scale and everything. We put cases of beer on until it evens out. And That's hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. And then we have, you know, five bands. It's free to attend. I was just going to say, and it's free. Oh, exclamation points. Caps. I think this year we have Stop Making Sense headlining. They're a Talking Heads cover band that's supposed to be really great. Um, and then uh, we our biggest event of the year. We have a, well, we also have a cyclocross bike race at the brewery here uh, in November. We've had that for a few years. It's a really challenging uh, bike course uh, that people race around the brewery and these and go in the woods and fall down and. It's, <laughs> and then, and then there's a goofy race where people wear weird costumes and throw pickles people i don't know i don't know what really is happening but it's a lot of fun come out and drink beer in the woods um and watch these people race around the brewery and then and then our but our biggest event's the goat race and that's a bach beer festival and and goat race and that happens every first sunday in may except for the last two first sundays in may but 
So we've missed two years of the go race. Uh, that's really something that's near and dear to our hearts and really uh, is a huge part of our brand recognition. Like people, I'll see people anywhere and they're like, oh my God, you guys are the ones that race the goats. You know, <laughs> uh, it's a big event. We can, we can bring, you know, it can bring in anywhere from five to 9,000 people on a wow. Sunday. It's big. Um, I, used I to mean, who doesn't want to see a goat race? <laughs> yeah, no one has. That's <laughs> that's part of the draw. And we need, it's a, it's actually a Bach beer festival. So we, the the name of the um, winning goat is the name of the my our my Bach, which is released after, which is first tapped after the goat wins. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. We have some German uh, umpa music going, and Alex Meixner, uh, who's like the polka comedy king. Um, he plays, he plays, he, he tours the, the country. He's awesome. Um, so yeah, we, uh, it's, it's an, I'll humbly say it's the most fun you'll ever have at a beer event is the goat race. I may so, have to try to make, cause it's not that far from me, right? That's no, a couple hours. From, uh, like is what? No, it's like two. Yeah. Well, that's a couple, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think it's four. Sorry. No, no, no. A couple hours. Yeah. I think it's actually, oh. I think it's an hour 40, I guess. That's not bad at all. That's worth seeing a goat race. Definitely. <laughs> it's on a Sunday, though, so I just recommend sleeping over because once those Bach beers get in, yeah. And we do liter mugs, too. Half oh, wow. liter mugs. Nice. It's, yeah, it's, and it's a souvenir mug you take home with you. Um, what, um, when the Pittsburgh location opens, will they be brewing whatever they want there? Or is it going to be. Like Pretty falling much. in line, so they they'll any style. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, like it's really going to be at the discretion of the brewer out there. Um, and so it's just a like, like how uh, Phoenixville here was was kind of like a uh, we could brew smaller batches and blow them out between the two or three locations pretty quickly. Um, that's how it's going to be out there between the two locations that are there. Maybe some, maybe some of the uh, bars we have good relationship with can get a, get a keg from that system, but no, it's not, I mean, we're not going to brew Pilsner there. We're not yeah. going to brew Hellster. Those are going to be coming from Pottstown, but, um, now it's going to be different stuff, which nice. will be cool. You know, it'll be a different, um, it'll give us a chance to try different things, just an, another opportunity to try stuff and then we can learn stuff from there and then bring it back here potentially and then brew a bigger batch of whatever is yeah. going on. That's pretty cool. Well, Peter, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, sure. I absolutely love, I mean, the IPAs I've had were good, but the, and I agree with your customers that have made your lagers the best selling because they're absolutely <laughs> delicious. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to chat. Uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, likewise. Um, so nice break from the, from the grind of what's going on this summer, man. It's, it's craziness. Yeah. I, I went to a beer festival a couple weeks ago and it felt both really weird, but really nice to yeah. like, it was a huge dose of normality that was, yeah. that it was weird, but great. <laughs> like, like going into Wawa without a mask on for the first time is really strange, but like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Well, that's a, I don't have to. We don't have to wear masks in our office anymore. So that kind of got Wait, me used yeah. to it. But yeah, I went it like the 
the local stores and uh, places here have just started taking down their mm-hmm. like masks required signs and putting up ones that they're following the CDC guidelines. So like, yep. yeah, it's weird. Like walking in, like it's been that weird transition just, time. Also, I just I forgot we we just started up a partnership. It's another thing I was doing all weekend long. I was at uh, concerts all weekend long, believe it or not, because we just started this new partnership with the, with the Pat Garrett Amphitheater, which is in the uh, sprawling metropolis of Straustown, PA, <laughs> off of Interstate seventy eight. There are so, so many places in Pennsylvania that have the exact same beginning part and then just throw Berg or town or ville at the end. For sure. <laughs> totally agree. Pennsylvania abounds with creativity for for township names. Yeah, and there's a Potts Grove too. There's Pottsville, Pottstown, Potts Grove. <laughs> John Potts was not very creative. You know, a little egotistical in my opinion. Uh <laughs> But yeah, it's this it's this beautiful amphitheater. It's out in the middle of nowhere, but it's easy to get to off of I seventy eight. Um, so uh, yeah, we're getting some cool acts in there, and and we're the exclusive beer. So oh, nice. We're excited about that. It's going to get uh, you know get our beer in a lot of people's hands, and um, there's going to be some you know Rick Nielsen from Cheap Tricks playing there in a couple of weeks, and we got um, I don't know go all of the boys. Less than Jake was there this weekend. They oh. had face to face. Uh, we're going to have a dark star orchestra is going there in July. Um, they just the played down here. Did they, it was packed. Oh yeah. 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 So it's, it's going to be cool. And that the sound there is beautiful. It's out in the, you know, up against the Appalachian, uh, the blue mountain Ridge line. Uh, it's, it's an awesome place. So that's another thing where we just got off the ground last weekend and we're excited about, I believe all the information about that's on your website too, right? I know we've been I putting out that. social media a lot. If you're interested in tickets, check out. I think if you just Google like Pat Garrett Amphitheater, it's all it's the Grove Summer Concerts, right? No, or, that's, no, that's different. That's yeah. Never mind. Yeah, the um, Grove is a Malvern location. Um, but if you go to SlyFoxBeer.com, there's all kinds of stuff and information. We got a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot is getting off the ground all at once and with limited staff. <laughs> sure, it's going to work out great. And yeah, no, there will be no problems. Don't worry. We'll make it uh, happen. No, that's how it's always been. Somehow we we got great people here who care a lot, and that's that's how we've been able to be alive for twenty five years. What um in on social media, your Sly Fox beer everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Sly Fox beer. I think yeah, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook is Sly Fox Beer. Yeah. All right. So everyone should go follow all of your social media. Stay up to date with what you have coming out. I look forward to checking out the new place in Pittsburgh. Um, that's exciting. The renderings look beautiful. That is definitely yeah. an awesome location. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so thank you that's so much. Be- oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's good. I just I'm so excited. I've seen the renderings. I've seen all the, you know, I've walked through the building. I'm like, man, this is something else. This is gonna be really different and really cool. Um, yeah, in our biggest growing market, you're gonna be able. There's gonna be a big Sly Fox sign you can see from downtown. Nice. Um, Yeah, it's gonna be freaking great. All right. Well, thank you once again for your time. 
uh, for the delicious beer. Yeah. Um, and thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Chris. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.